I'm really monologuing here today. Is this okay? <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. <laughs> okay. I had, did have a chocolate-covered pretzel before I came into this. <laughs> oh, my God. Wild. <laughs> super wild. Wild. Um, an eight ball. No. Just the yeah, also, pretzel. And, and the drugs. <laughs> just a pretzel. <laughs> Caroline, Kristen, are you ready for season nine of Unladylike? Woo! <laughs> I mean, okay, I had forgotten that it was possible to get excited in 2020, but I'm excited. I know, Kristen, when senior producer Nora slacked us that Samantha B was coming on this show, I screamed, and it was the happy kind of scream. Yeah, I mean, I still remember in early 2016, like 10,000 years ago, there was a TBS billboard for Full Frontal with Samantha B by my place, and it said, watch or you're sexist, with this close-up of Samantha B popping her blazer collar and not giving a fuck. Um, I'm honestly kind of sad that I missed that billboard, Kristen. Um, but it tracks. Samantha B is an icon of feminist rage and statement blazers, and her Emmy-winning satirical news show, Full Frontal, truly helped both of us get out of bed after the 2016 election. Here's Samantha on her show, The Fateful Day After. How did everyone get this so spectacularly wrong? What was the X factor that none of the forecasts accounted for? Okay, I have a confession to make. Um, a few years ago, I appeared on a little show called Law & Order. You may know Vanessa Carvel. She's being blackmailed. Soon after it aired, the 20-season hit series was canceled, even though there were still six people in New York who hadn't yet appeared on it. And then last year, I gave a tasteful interview in Playboy. The next day, Playboy canceled nudity. I guess I didn't notice the pattern because yesterday, I voted in an American election for the first time, and I broke America. I am so sorry. And please... Today, just in time for another Trump presidential election on top of a pandemic, wildfires, and American democracy on the brink, Samantha Bee is here on Unladylike for the very first time. Uh, which means y'all should really savor season nine because apparently it might be our last. <laughs> <laughs> well, Samantha B was a dream to talk and listen to. I mean, she describes her anger in such a soothing NPR voice. In this episode, we're going to get into how she developed her full frontal perspective, what it's like being the boss, and why she calls bullshit on civility. My name is Samantha B. I host a show called Full Frontal with Samantha B. I almost just forgot the name of my own show <laughs> when put on the spot. I live in New York City and now part-time live in Westchester. So I'm double dipping, straddling two worlds. Samantha has been hosting the fifth season of Full Frontal literally from her backyard because covid her on-site crew consists of her husband and fellow former Daily Show correspondent, Jason Jones. 
I go into the backyard away from any electrical outlets with my husband (laughs) and we shoot the entire thing on an iPhone. The area where we shoot is we have a couple of acres here. So a big forest at the back kind of, and we've cleared a space back there that gets decent sunshine over the course of the day. And so we try to hit it when the sun is at a good angle for us, like not directly above, which is, horrifying to behold (laughs) kind of like nicely off to the side and uh, then I walk back the footage to my computer in my kitchen and upload all those big fat files and then the post-production team takes over and they mold it into a show her entire staff has been working remotely too it's been really challenging to because there's about 65 people who go into 65 or 70 people who go into making an episode of the show happen. All of them are amazing, but they're all working from their own homes. And we're all grappling with stress and anxiety and all of that kind of at the same time. So everybody's doing the same job they did before, just in a bubble of personal isolation. (laughs) So everybody's been really super challenged. And I think we were all really felt very lucky and to be able to be working. It's been quite a journey. I can't say that we're really used to it yet. And we've done many shows back there. That full frontal journey started as Samantha was exiting The Daily Show in 2015. She'd been a correspondent there for 12 years and the only female correspondent for the first five. When Jon Stewart announced he was leaving that February, Samantha Bee was a fan-favorite pick for his replacement. Instead, she announced that she was on her way to TBS to host and produce a brand-new late-night show of her own. When Full Frontal debuted in February 2016, Samantha was the only woman hosting a late-night TV show. That milestone generated a ton of media buzz. But Samantha didn't buy the hype. We read that you originally thought that it was just going to be canceled after a few episodes. Oh, for sure. Like, I had no doubt, actually. Why was, why like, was that? Well, you know, we definitely went into this show with the intention of, like, kicking open the barn doors and just being, like, as rude and angry and just expressive as possible. And nothing is certain when you're starting a show. Like, it's because it's a really directly topical show, it's also very hard to know yourself what the show is going to look like when you do it in front of an audience for the first time. Like, I can't say that all the ingredients felt like they were perfectly in place before the moment we actually taped a show in front of an audience and knew that we were going to be putting it out that day. You know, there's always that like 10% of doubt where you're like, I don't, will an audience clap? I I don't know. (laughs) Because we never really tried it in the way that we did it when we actually did it. One of those missing ingredients was her host uniform, which totally surprised me, Kristen, because I just assumed that Samantha Bee was born in a power blazer. I know, right? And that wardrobe ingredient, though, was more important than y'all might think. We did a couple of test shows, and I, like, was wearing a really tight dress, and it was really stupid looking. <laughs> like, I just, I just physically couldn't move. I was like a, like a sausage, just like in a tight, like a sausage on a grill that you didn't prick with a fork, like, just swelling up. 
And, you know, that actually was my personal baggage. That was my idea. I can't even say that it was like no one put that on me. I was like, you're doing a TV show and you're a woman. You get to wear a sheath dress. (laughs) (laughs) You obviously squeeze your ass into a sheath and some high heels. This is what we do. And Christ, I wore these like super towering high heeled shoes and they poked holes in the set because like the floor is not actually as sturdy as you. It moves in and out of the studio all the time. So it's actually pretty flimsy. And I kept getting stuck in it because the heel would poke through the floor. <laughs> it was so dumb. So I actually like there were points when in a test show, I was just physically tethered to my spot. And honestly, the network was like, you were wearing this cool outfit earlier today. You were wearing a blazer and you were wearing sneakers and jeans. Like, why don't you just, can you just wear that? Like, is there a reason you want to wear this weird dress? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, can I, can I do that? <laughs> so, that sounds that was, so backwards from what you would normally expect to hear from so like backwards. a network, you know? It, it was great. <laughs> and that actually changed, it kind of unlocked I actually think that small gesture of true kindness just unlocked everything. It just made me physically, then I was also physically comfortable. And so anyway, we aired, it was wild. The next day I was like, well, we'll do six. I'm like, we'll do six of these. And then when we go to pitch shows in, at other places, we'll have six great shows or however many they let us do. And then they just liked it. So they kept it. And here we are, season five. Something Full Frontal did have on lock from the start was its writer's room. When they began assembling their team, they used a blind submissions process and provided sample packets so even folks new to TV writing knew what to include. Lo and behold, Samantha B ended up with a gender-equal writing team. So you said that you wanted to make a show f- from your point of view— Tell us about that point of view and and sort of how you developed it. Well, I think, you know, from a a show from an audaciously feminist point of view, from a woman's point of view, for sure. I worked for a really long time at The Daily Show, and that was obviously an incredible training ground. But every idea and every moment of the show was really translated or interpreted through, through John Stewart's worldview, which is an excellent worldview for sure but we don't necessarily align on everything. Like stories that I would want to do are not as compelling to, like he doesn't want to be the person who's at the vanguard of a story about, I don't know, like abortion, let's say. I mean, it was not an issue that we routinely talked about on The Daily Show when I was there. And I've done just tons of abortion-related content on my show. And that will never, that will not change. The sudden death of Justice Antonin Scalia has left a hole, not just in his weird medieval hunting club or on the Supreme Court softball team, but at the court itself, which will now have to dive up your uterus without him. Justice Scalia's death leaves just eight justices and the possibility of tie votes four to four. Don't schedule your cervical cancer yet, Texans. A tie is not good news. A tie would mean the tough new Texas restrictions. Reproductive justice is obviously something that I think about daily. So I wanted to be able to tell those stories. I just think that that was missing for me. And because I'd been trained there, because I had 12 years there, I had an understanding of how to do that and how I would take the point of view further or how I would 
talk about things that other hosts couldn't or or wouldn't talk about. And I think that that I think that bears out. So which was harder, becoming the host or becoming the boss? I think becoming a boss was much more difficult, actually. You know, I didn't start doing, you know, sketch comedy so that I could one day employ 65 people. Like, (laughs) I don't, you know, there are entire, you know, people have made entire careers out of management. There are concrete theories about management, the psychology of management. People go to school for it. I didn't go to school for it. It's taken a really long time to get used to it. It just takes takes a long time to get used to just sort of, I, I can't say that I fell into being a boss and went, this feels natural. Now let me, now let me lead a large team of people and make everybody feel good about the work they're doing. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. What do you see at this point sort of as, as your responsibility in, in the workplace, whatever kind of tone you want to set or how you want people to feel, um, do you think about that much? I think about it all the time. I, of course. I, you know, and there are, it's not like I'm, I think there have been real chapters of this experience. We're five years in where I've been very bad at it, or I've always tried really hard to be good at it but where I have my attention has faltered or I should have been paying attention to an issue. And then I was distracted by 10,000 other things that were happening. I do think that I do try to democratize the pitching process. I think people feel free to say what they want to say. I have tried really hard to make an environment where people felt like they could actually speak up, where they felt like they could disagree with me which people do. And I think that's fine. It's painful for me. (laughs) Like, it's not like, (laughs) it's not that enjoyable for me. But I think people should be able to disagree with me. And then we kind of come to a conclusion that works. It's like, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Also, my brain, just as a, as a person, I, um, I work pretty slowly, actually. I have to, I'm a very deliberative person. Like if you pitch me an idea, I really have to think about it. I tend to not make decisions in the moment. Like I'm not really great by the seat of my pants. I'm not like, zing, zap, do do, do that, full force, full steam ahead, guy. I'm like, definitely got to sleep on it. I, I need to hear this idea. I need to go to sleep. I need to wake up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I need to tussle with it a little bit, wake up, have some coffee, maybe a little bit of exercise where my head clears. And then I go, yeah, that was a good idea. Or not for me, not right now. I don't know. I, I'm just not feeling it, which is an okay reaction too. So you are a trailblazer for women in late night. And I'm curious, like from your perspective as the boss and the host, mm-hmm. Like how how is your show your environment different than some of your like peers? Environments? I don't know that it is all that. I mean i I think it's different. One thing I fr- I frankly just don't have this. I don't have a lot of layers between me and the daily comings and goings of our workplace. Like I don't. I'm not separated from the emotional life of the staff. I'm a participant in it. 
we had a, a studio meeting this morning where we were trying to think about what will be the substance of next week's act one. And it's pouring rain and everyone's, you know, just revelations. The news is so bad. California's on fire. Like everybody's bummed out. Like, you know, so I'm like a part of that vibe and I can't, I'm not good enough at management or I'm not enough of a sociopath, I guess, to kind of separate myself from that and go, all right, but what's on the show next week? Like, we're down. We gotta get it together. Like, I am just like, we're bummed out. Why don't we do something positive next week? Because <laughs> there's a fucking global pandemic. Um, we're making the show in the forest. Like, you can't help but notice that the world has gone crazy. So I think that that is different to be very much a part of the comings and goings of the whole massive amount of people. Like, I think it's a good thing. It's maybe a painful thing, but it's a good thing. I'm sure everyone from my workplace strongly disagrees with everything I just said. And they're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But like from my perspective, like really try to be very aware and fix problems as they happen or at least move things move things around. You know, Kristen, last year we talked to Ashley Nicole Black, who got her first TV writing job on Full Frontal, and I don't think she'd strongly disagree. She gave Sam B. glowing reviews as a boss. She did. And when we come back, y'all, Samantha looks back with not-so-glowing reviews on the feckless cunt-traversy she'll never get over. You get it? It's like, Controversy (laughs) with a cunt. Controversy. We're back with Samantha B, host of Full Frontal on TBS and host of a new podcast, Full Release. We do a fun thing on my podcast, Full Release, um, that is like real or fake comments where (laughs) the producers of the podcast, they write some fake comments and then they mix them up with real ones from our YouTube (laughs) channels or whatever. And they try to make me guess which ones are real and which ones are fake. And that's just about honestly the only time I ever hear real feedback. (laughs) And it's all, I mean, that part is, I mean, that's, that's horrific. (laughs) This is horrific, but at least it's funny. Now, some of those real comments include Samantha B is a witch who can perform resurrections hmm. and simply see you next Tuesday. Wow. Sick burns, y'all. Mm-hmm. Those YouTube comments are nothing, though, compared to the MAGA and mainstream tidal waves that came for Samantha after a full frontal episode in May of 2018. We taped it. In front of a live studio audience, we we were like, yay, great show, everyone. Went home that night and wouldn't have thought it was a problem for the world in a million years. But that episode included a segment on the Trump administration separating children from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. In it, Samantha pleaded directly to Ivanka Trump, who'd remained silent on the crisis. Let me just say, one mother to another— do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless c- He listens to you. Put on something tight and low cut and tell your father to f***ing stop it. Tell him it was an Obama thing and see how it goes, okay? By the next morning, that clip had gone viral. 
It's outrageous. It is unacceptable and should be called out. I think the joke was inappropriate. I do think it, I didn't think it was funny. It, it, it wasn't right for me. To me, hate is hate. And I think she should be condemned for it, too. It's not to word police. It's just hate is hate is hate. And that was CNN, The View, and Megyn Kelly on her short-lived talk show. President Trump even tweeted, Why aren't they firing no-talent Samantha Bee for the horrible language used on her low-rating show? A total double standard, but that's okay. We are winning, and we'll be doing so for a long time to come. And that masterpiece got retweeted more than 25,000 times. What did you make of the concern trolling specifically that it unleashed? Yeah, there was a tremendous amount of concern trolling, a tremendous amount of like media just beating their breasts in anxiety about like just civility and like, are we really, is this acceptable? And I was like, oh my God, would you just turn the lens of your news organization on the fact that children are being separated from their parents at the border. Would you just stop pretending like this is something that matters and put your attention on something that actually does? I thought it was ridiculous. Listen, I did that segment. I thought it was a great segment. (laughs) I was really proud of it. I thought it was really funny. I had no idea. Like, I had used that word on the show a number of times leading up to that. It was like, no big deal. And it was really only the next morning that I started to sense that there was, it was really picking up speed. And then it became a story. And then it really just like dominated the news cycle. I mean, across the world, you know, and so many of the stories were like, oh, like, you know, that's such a shame, just such a shame that this, an expletive was used. And what a shame that it took the focus away from <laughs> children being separated at the border. Anyway, we've uh, assembled a panel to now uh, <laughs> discuss the use of the <laughs> word cunt. And if we could just <laughs> do this for another uh, 25 minutes on this news program. CNN Politics senior writer Juana Summers joins our political uh, panel. And, and Juana, what's your reaction to all this? You know, I agree. Frankly, the comments were shocking and offensive and inappropriate. And they, they shouldn't have been said, Jake. What I think is really interesting is... <gasps> I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. It really just... I found it... I found it heartbreaking. I found it disgusting. And I don't think that I will ever recover. <laughs> I will never recover from that. I've recovered from everything else. Uh, But I will never recover from that. As we were preparing for this interview and um, thinking back to that moment, Mm -hmm. I wondered whether it ever feels sort of risky or challenging when you are calling out shitty women, (laughs) because I feel like the whole like women not supporting other women, feminist hypocrisy, like mm-hmm. conservatives love, love to harp on, on that. Sure. They love it, but I don't, it's, it's women can be super shitty. <laughs> women can be very <laughs> shitty. They can be very shitty to each other. They can be very shitty to the world. They, women can be shitty and it's really okay to call out shitty women. I think it's okay. 
Well, definitely okay. Does it ever feel like you're setting yourself up for heightened backlash? I try not to think about that. I really try to focus on like the content itself as opposed to, I do think about our audience. I do think about, I think about our audience. I don't think about a conservative audience because they just hate the show. It doesn't matter. I didn't make this show to make them feel good or please them. And I, you know, I guess I sometimes reflect on, you know, do I want this to be the headline? I'm just more, more have a heightened awareness of it, I guess. I mean, we did a piece on, we did a long time ago, we did a piece on Kellyanne Conway. And it was like, look at this shitty woman. What a, she's a pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, we want to celebrate a truly special female woman, Donald Trump's omnipresent spokes cobra, Kellyanne Conway, or as Fox News calls her. The first woman to run a winning presidential campaign in the history of this country. First woman to be ever uh, lead and win a presidential campaign. The first woman to run a successful presidential campaign. Jesus, Fox, stop ramming your feminist identity politics down America's throats. But they're right. She is the first to do all these amazing things in a really <laughs> shitty way. But, well, she's the first. <laughs> like, can't deny it. <laughs> Look at this shitty pioneer. <laughs> is it possible, do you think, to disarm that whole civility backlash because it's not just the feckless cunts of the world like we also see it in terms of the protests this summer you know Mm -hmm. all of these calls like just be civil just behave like can we ever disarm that i don't think so there's always going to be civility police out there yearning for a country that never was (laughs) yearning for like a polite veneer over all of these like atrocities and human rights abuses. Like if we could just go just like be nice and pretend that these things aren't happening, just let me go back to hiding my head in the sand, please. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not for that. <laughs> Do you have any sort of um, go-to response in a way or approach when, when you do get the, the let's just be civil well, I never hear about it anymore because I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't pay attention to it like, at all. So it's fine. I'm d- doing much better now because I don't, I, don't, I don't listen to it. Everybody has an opinion about, like, it, like, everything. It's not like my show is so unique that people are very divided about it and people, like, either love it or they hate it and they say mean things. Like, they say mean things about everything. There is not one thing that you can now put out into the world without causing like a true arguments. You can't please everybody. You just cannot. You just can't. And so I have stopped trying. I advise that for everybody. Like stopping being a people pleaser is the greatest freedom. And it's taken me, I'm 50 now, and it's taken me so long to be less of a people pleaser. I wish that somebody had really sat me down, even when I was 30, and said, like, stop it. You don't, you're never going to please everybody. You're never going to please anyone and have a perfect result. This is just a part of that journey. I don't care. 
people can say what they want. I don't know. I have a TV show, and so I say what I like. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Samantha B brings us some brief ASMR and an awkward moment of self-care. Stick around. hope you enjoy the sound of me like breathing into this microphone because it's a really puffy microphone head and I love to like rest my face on it. (laughs) I don't find it very. (laughs) I love a regular mic. I do love them and I love to get really close to them. So I'm really sorry. It's ASMR over here. We're back with Samantha B, host of Full Frontal on TBS, emerging ASM artist and cat lady. I actually was in a meeting this morning and I was telling everyone that I'm trying to convince my husband to get a second cat because we have one. It was like a real negotiation to get to one cat. But now I think we need to expand. And I was like, here's the deal. If we get a second cat, you can name the cat Susan Collins. (laughs) And that way, every time you call the cat, you will smile inside. Like, it'll be, like, really funny to you. Even 10 years hence, you know, you'll still be like, Susan Collins, no. It'll be great. So, (laughs) Susan Collins is taking a shit in the box again. (laughs) Oh, Susan Collins really dropped one. Susan Collins got a mouse. (laughs) Damn it. Did Susan Collins just throw up on the rug again? Yes. I'm just sorry. <clears throat> Moving on from Susan Collins coughing up a hairball. Um, you told Mother Jones that the show is a little bit of preaching to the choir. You know, you don't expect comedy to be like the end all be all solution to all of our world's problems. Yeah. And so do you see that preaching to the choirness as good thing, neutral thing? I think it's a good thing. I mean, I actually think, you know, I think of it more as a catharsis. Like, Mm. I don't expect, I really don't expect that someone who doesn't semi-share my worldview is going to watch this show and go, you know, I never thought of it that way. Actually, let me interrogate myself. And let me, I'm going to do, you know what I'm going to do? She sent me down a path of research. I am going to start vaccinating my kids. Like, <laughs> you but know. if only, if only, if, though. How did I not know this? It took this witch in her forest <laughs> for me to see the light. Oh, QAnon is bullshit. God, why didn't anyone say anything? Like, uh, I don't expect that to really ever happen. Like, so I think it's more catharsis. Like, it's okay to preach to the choir. The choir needs it sometimes. The choir needs a pep talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to just have a moment of communion where you just go, see, what this? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the you know cornerstones of Full Frontal is the unvarnished rage that, that y'all bring. And has anger ever been challenging for you to access or embrace? 
I'll say this, but it sounds like a kind of a cop out, but I hope it doesn't. I don't like live my life in a state of extreme rage. Like I tend to channel it all into the show for the most part. Like I'm obviously angry as a citizen and all of that. Like, yes, but I have night pleasant, normal interactions with people in the world. (laughs) Um, I will say that doing the show in a studio versus doing it in the forest is a little different. It feels different in the forest to be really on fire and angry. It's like, it's such a stark reminder of how we have fallen. Like, yes, it's green and pretty, but it's, we are there because we have fallen, you know? And I'm, I'm always thinking about that. I'm not like, you know what? I don't really like it back here. This feels cool. I could do this forever. I'm kind of like, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) So, Sometimes it's harder to, uh, we could go in an all anxiety direction or we could choose to have fun with the show still. And I think we're trying to remind ourselves to choose fun sometimes because we just, we just need it. Like we just need a glimmer of sunshine in our own work and lives. So I'm trying to find that more often. And that I think is just in a weird way, just kind of self-care, sort of a little self-care. Does that make sense? I'm Why are really, you hesitant to call it self-care? I don't know. Is it self-care to shoot a TV, to try to, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> I don't think of it that way. <laughs> oh, maybe I do think of it that way. We're trying to just sort of like be able to find lights, bright spots in the show, trying to bring freshness to it. Just trying really, we're working really hard on it so that we don't feel like bleak all the time. Okay. Our last, our last question we ask all of our guests and it is, what is the most unladylike thing about you? Oh my God. Well, interesting. I'm very unafraid of things that are visceral. Like I will, oh, this is, wow, here we go. Jesus, I mean, you're going to get so much hate mail from this. I'm sorry. Like this is, this part is ladylike because I'm going to talk about my cat. And then the second part is unladylike because I'm very, I'm a merciful, he's a real hunter and we have a lot of mice here. And he will capture a mouse and disarm and disable it like it in a cruel way. And I'm very able, like I just go into machine mode and I will dispatch a mouse and put it out of its misery (laughs) in a heartbeat. Because I'm like, there's no, what am I going to build a cast for this? Like, I'm not going to, the thing is dying. It's terrible. He's very awful. And I will put that thing out of its misery. I'm like, and then I, I don't like it. But I do it quickly and with great authority. I kill animals. Is that what I come to? I'm sorry. I I'm in trouble. Oh no. Oh, well, I broke worry. your I podcast. Don't, I don't know how many members of the mouse lobby are in our audience. Uh, more than I mean, you think. More than you think. Oh, wow. People, usually the go-to answer is like, oh, I curse a lot. We've I never curse. Got, we've never I pee gotten. in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> I will euthanize an animal quickly. 
See, oh, that's God. kind of like it is merciful, but it's also really gross. So it is yeah. so gross. Yeah. And another argument for Susan Collins. Get her in there. Get her in there to <laughs> just come up the rear. You know, maybe she can do some of the dirty work. Yeah. <laughs> To catch Samantha Bee making TV from her backyard, tune in to Full Frontal every Wednesday on TBS. And be sure to subscribe to her podcast, full release on Stitcher and everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unladylike Media. And to support Caroline and me directly and get access to ad-free bonus episodes, including a two-parter on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, go to patreon.com slash unladylikemedia. Nora Ritchie is the senior producer of Unladylike. Gianna Palmer is our story editor. Shruti Marate transcribes our tape. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Mixing is by Andy Christens. Sound design and additional music is by Casey Holford and Andy Christens. Executive producers are Chris Bannon, Daisy Rosario, and Unladylike Media. This podcast was created by your hosts, Kristen Conger. And Caroline Irvin of Unladylike Media. Next week... When the beats start knocking and the booms start rolling, you got to move. And your feet start to move, your hips start to move, but it's just something about when the ass move. People go, wow. It's just, it, it's, it's powerful. We're talking to the queen of bounce, Big Frida, about the power of the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are not going to want to miss this episode or any episode in our new season. Make sure you're subscribed to Unladylike. Find us in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And remember, got a problem? Get Unladylike. (laughs) President Trump even tweeted, why aren't they firing no talent Samantha B for her horrible language used on her low rating show? A total double standard, but that's okay. <coughs> and <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so hard. <laughs> wow. And that got retweeted more than twenty-five thousand times. Do you want me to do a take without Donald? <laughs> Stitcher. <laughs>